Welcome, listener. This is Louis, host of The Cove, the podcast where we go deep with crypto builders along the path to 100 million daily signers. Today, we're talking incentive liquidity infrastructure for Web3 communities on Solana with John Kramer, founder of Jewel Finance. Jewel Finance is innovating on the decentralized option vault primitive with their new Jewel investment pools and staking option products. Jewel Finance took out first place in the DeFi track of the recent Solana Summer Hackathon and were shouted out by none other than Ben Sparango in our recent episode, surveying the DeFi space on Solana. Before we dive in, I'd like to share a bit about Streamflow who make this podcast possible. Are you wading through an Excel sheet to handle team finances investing? It's time for an upgrade. Streamflow is the leading platform on Solana for managing and streaming vesting and payroll payments. They've recently launched a multi-sig wallet, so your vesting and payroll contracts can be even more secure. Streamflow is audited, has over 130 million in TVL, and is trusted by premier Solana teams like Hubble, Jungle DeFi, and Heavenland. Go to streamflow.finance to find out more. I'm very happy to have John, the founder of Jewel Finance on today. Welcome, John. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to have you. I'm very excited to dive into all things Jewel Finance, which uh, was given a shout out in the last episode with Ben Sparango as a as one of his highlights from the, uh, the summer hackathon, Solana hackathon. Uh, so yeah, very keen to learn more. Um, before we get stuck into the details, would you mind uh, sharing with the listeners a little bit about your background? Sure. Yeah. And thanks for Ben. I was flattering. I'll try to live live up to it and do it justice, what he mentioned. Um, yeah. So my background, um, generally in finance, um, a technical background, went to school at MIT, uh, undergrad work there in engineering and a grad work in, in finance. Um, met my co-founder there as well. Um, and initially went into a career in trading, um, where I was focused in options market making, um, and then transitioned fully into crypto and took over that options market making background into to crypto, um, was early at, at GSR, which is one of the leading token market makers in the space. And there we built out a you know, global team of, of trading, um, market making business and OTC business, um, all sorts of different things. Our specialty was really in illiquid crypto derivatives trading, um, specifically like structured products, a lot of bespoken uh, margin lending um, setups for for OTC clients. Um, So I probably am responsible for a lot of the first options trades in in crypto across, you know, a bunch of different altcoins, um, some exotics trades, all sorts of good stuff on that front. Um, and so really trying to take a lot of that that we um, were focused on and, and, and move it into a more open and decentralized uh, format here with dual finance. And when you first were coming into crypto, like with your background, did you was the opportunity immediately visible in terms of like, you know, DeFi and like that options could play a big role or like with it, was there another area that fascinated you initially? Yeah, initially, the story goes back to like 2013 or something with an experiment run at MIT where they gave all the students like $100 worth of Bitcoin. And that was sort of the first, you know, touching and feeling of, of crypto. Um, probably spent it on something stupid. I don't even remember. And um, from there, you know, several years later, kind of getting reacquainted with it within a, within a trading uh, mindset and sort of seeing in, in a lot of ways the power of decentralization 
and just a general feeling of like how rigged certain markets were and, and how a lot of this stuff could be opened up and improved upon um, if you approach it in a decentralized manner. So specifically, like we, we were market making on like CME Bitcoin futures um, when those first came out in 2018. And unless you're, you know, tapped into every single liquidity venue out there, right, every every exchange um, and have the best technology available, trying to compete in that space is kind of frivolous. You're not you're not going to be super successful at it. So doing stuff, you know, more more native, fu fully crypto focused was was the only route forward. Okay, gotcha. Uh, that I think brings us, you know, in terms of the only route forward uh, to dual finance. So for listeners who are not acquainted, um, can you share the, the TLDR and what dual finance is? Sure. The, I guess we're lots of different things to different groups. Um, probably most relevant to the listeners would just be a source of su sustainable yield, right? Um, and under that vein of, of thought, having more control and choice of, of what that yield product is, uh, is key. Um, so I can elaborate on that in a bit maybe, but, you know, to, to founders and DAOs, anyone who's running, um, a project and thinking about tokenomics, you know, we could be relevant for, um, identifying ways of making sustainable tokenomics. Um, and then for trading firms, right. Come to us for the best options, order flow, um, uniquely trading like illiquid altcoin options. Um, so lots of different pieces of the ecosystem that we're trying to trying to touch on and address and um you know be a place for uh lots of different participants to to come in and and uh do things in a more sustainable manner yeah i guess sustainable yield is is kind of all the all the rage these days so i'm sure some people's ears are pricking up you were just in the recent the summer solana hackathon uh, can you tell us uh, just briefly, like, how did the team kind of come together? Yeah, so that was um, uh, sort of organically done. Um, I was approached back in January by my co-founder, sort of asking what was going on in, in crypto and DeFi. And I mentioned these things called decentralized option vaults and that kind of that there's a way to do them better um, or at least give more more choice to users and, and power to the user um, within that that model. And so we sort of started building that out. Um, and the, the, the specific submission we made to the hackathon was sort of an afterthought. Um, it was kind of a secondary component that we had been working on. But as we've kind of been developing it, it seems more primary, um, a, a primary focus of the project. Um, and specifically, that is providing liquidity organically to uh, options markets um, and then the subsequent hedging of it. Um, so yeah, I can, I can elaborate on that or what have you, but yeah, I'm just, I'm just, um, being conscious that, you know, some <laughs> listeners will have less financial, um, experience maybe. Um, so can you, from like a, I, I know this is a challenge cause it's probably not a, you know, a super simple product, but, um, from, from, if we imagine someone who's not super familiar with options, is there a possibility of just giving like a brief, a brief rundown of, you know, what we're talking about? Sure. So. Um, if you're familiar with, you know, a lot of different ways to gain yield in, in, in DeFi and crypto are contingent upon earning governance tokens, right, on the back of depositing some sort of liquidity into a pool. Um, the approach that's taken with decentralized option vaults and specifically our product, which is named a dual investment pool, 
is to actually offer a product that um, generates a premium, meaning it's actually something that can be repeatedly done, um, isn't isn't necessarily exhausted. Um, and so from that lens, you can package up um, options products and offer that to users as um, a source of, of yield, um, specifically paying out that premium to them for, for depositing their assets. Um, yeah, I think that's kind of the way to, to frame it. Um, you're, you're, not, you're not just doing something that is um, funded out of a, a token project trying to attract uh, you know, liquidity short, on a short-term basis. It's more something that has real market value that you're focused on, you know, helping users understand and, and capitalize on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And typically like this, this vault, the, 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 the actions that this vault is performing were done by sort of by, by companies or, or projects. It was not available to, you know, individual users, right? Yeah, generally speaking, options markets are are more sophisticated and, and you know, there, we have lots of other groups in, in DeFi that are trying to build in, um, ways for, for a more, um, you know, base level user to, to get involved. Um, and similarly, we're, we're doing that and, and definitely emphasizing that we want users to understand the products and have a lot of choice and, and customization behind, um, you know, the risk that they take. Because um, in contrast to liquidity mining basically um, and a lot of other yield you know yield strategies there's there's actually significant risk to some of these products um, and that, that needs to be you know displayed very clearly to to a user yeah I mean in a t- t- traditional pool or a farm like your main risk I guess is um, you know impermanent loss uh, whereas with a options vault um, it's, it's maybe not as not as clear, although even in permanent loss, I think a lot of people don't have trouble understanding. Um, so, yeah, so definitely. yeah, so uh, like I'd love to, you know, for people who are not deep in the options world and, and you are. So I'd love to get your sort of expert take on like what is the, the status quo with the option vault products currently? And like what is dual finance bringing to the table that is sort of evolving the, the, the product? Sure. Um... It's probably best to just compare the compare and contrast the differences. Um, what, yeah. what we're aiming for, and, and and just generally the trend obviously has been sort of a, a downward move with the rest of the crypto market in terms of like TVL and these things. Um, but you know, I think I think addressing some of these issues will will kind of uh, um, capture a different set, subset of users that might find some of the decentralized option vaults not meeting their needs. Um, and you know, hopefully we can fit in there. So, so um, I guess the, the current model for a decentralized option vault is it's an auction style. So they basically aggregate all the deposits uh, for the users and on Friday mornings um, go out and sell these options to market makers. Um, market makers pay a premium through and that is returned to the users of the pool. Um, the issues around this auction style is it's Fully, it's predictable, right? Not only can market makers know exactly when the auction is going to happen, they can also look at the deposits in these vaults and, and effectively see how much size is going to be traded. Um, so if you know that a certain trade is going to happen at a certain time of day and for a certain size, it's pretty easy to um, what's known as front run that order, right? 
Um, and so that looks like market makers leaning towards selling options into that auction and then buying mm-hmm. these op- these options from the decentralized option vaults at a lower price um, and effectively, you know, arbing it. There's, there is risk involved there for sure, but it's, you know, it's a, it's a, there's a lot of edge or alpha to trying to execute that trading strategy. Um, so in contrast to that auction style, we have streamable, executable prices, meaning at any point, you know, 24 seven, you could come in and deposit your funds and put it to work immediately. Um, so that's, you know, not, not prone to front running, obviously, because no one knows you're going to, no one knows when and how much you're going to deposit. Um, the other, the other key thing is uh, around the payment. So generally the option vaults return the premium payment at the end of the term. So when you withdraw your funds, you get the additional yield. Um, in our setup, you actually get paid uh, the USDC premium. It's always going to be paid out in USDC, by the way. And you get paid that immediately upon upon staking. Um, the benefit there is that you can go take that USDC and go do whatever you want with it. Um, you can go compound it in some other yield protocol, right? And so it allows you, um, yeah, it allows you to compound your yield better um, and is more capitally efficient from that perspective. Um, and the last last piece I would say is that um, when you deposit into one of these option vaults, you don't know what risk you're taking is necessarily. There's estimates of it, right? You think you're probably going to be selling some sort of covered call option that struck out of the money a certain you know X percent. But in reality, if you deposit on a Monday and the price of Bitcoin is trading 25,000, you think you're going to be selling maybe a 26, 27,000 strike call. Then in reality, on Friday morning, the price is sold off to 20,000 and you're selling a 21 or 22,000 strike call, you know. So you don't even know what your risk is in these products until the auction is executed, right? That's that's your actual trade that you're making. Um, and so we're offering the ability for users to choose different strikes, choose different expirations. And in fact, within our, our Discord, we're gonna have some other ways to support this. You can come in and request a custom pool for your, for your own you know, your, to your own parameters that you, that you want. So those three things are the, the main differentiators, the execution style, the capital efficiency around getting paid premium first, and also the selection and customization of, of it. I don't want to go too far into the weeds, but I am a little bit curious um, if your innovations there bring additional risk or like what is the downside and, and why, like, why has this not been done um, previously? Yeah, so a few things. Uh, it's difficult to get the liquidity in place to have a streamable, executable price. Um, mm-hmm. That is not trivial, um, and that's largely the subject of our hackathon submission of how how we backstop that volatility um, in, in that option market. Um, and as well, you know, we're working with external option market makers to. Um, stream in their own prices, so having basically a you know an option market there, and then um, on the on the uh, premium side, um, that that's definitely achievable. I don't I don't think there's any particular reason that's not being done, aside from the fact that it's it's a pre-funded trade, um, and on the uh, the customization end, that is um, 
you know, that's largely because it's just a more complex product to work with. Um, from a user's perspective, they have to know a little bit more, right? It's not a set it and forget it. Like, and uh, we will have the ability to auto roll over contracts, right? So if you deposit into one pool, um, there's an expiration date to it. So you're gonna have to withdraw your funds and restake it, you know, at that, at that time period. Uh, we will have the ability to auto roll this coming out. But in the, in the meantime, you have to know a little bit more, right? It's, it's not like, uh, just, oh, there's an estimated X, X amount of yield. I'm gonna just set it and forget it. Um, it takes a little bit more active management. So it's potentially addressing that user who's slightly more sophisticated than a simple decentralized option vault and wants a little bit more selection. Okay, gotcha. Uh, and is there like an idea in the future? Because I know that Soland, for, for example, they recently released permissionless pools. You mentioned that people can go into Discord and, and make requests. Would that be something that you would push towards in the future, having sort of permissionless? Yeah, pools? yeah, that's on two fronts actually. So on the on the dual investment pools, allowing users to come in and create a pool just on their own. Um, that's definitely on the on the roadmap. We would control that. Um, or at least put set some reasonable bounds to it. Um, you don't want somebody creating like a fifty-year option or something. Just you know, there's some there's some bound around the expiration and then around the strikes. Um, mm -hmm. and, and we would we would you know, but in, in the meantime, we have sort of a stopgap where you can just come in to the Discord and re request stuff. Um, on the so on, on there's like two facets to the project, right? There's this user-facing product, um, which is the dual investment pools, and then there's the second business facing or project facing product which is a staking option and so from that lens as well we're, we're um, helping facilitate projects coming in and designing their own option based incentives and they can create those customized how, how they want um, work with us to like you know identify some of their goals and then try to uh, match you know expiration and other parameters to meet those goals um, that's kind of the idea on that front yeah, I think now is a good time for us to go into those two sort of facets of the product in more detail. So you were mentioning a bit earlier the dual investment pool. Um, could you unpack that a little bit more in detail? Yeah, dual investment pool is effectively an option vault um, that is a streamable. Think of it as not as the decentralized option vaults, but our version of it, um, where it's a physically exercised product. So at the end of the term, you either end up with one of two currencies, hence the name dual. Um, you either end up with, you know, USDC or your collateral back. Um, and, and you're not necessarily going to end up with just, uh, you know, if you're depositing Solana, you're not just going to end up with Solana. You might end up with USDC and Solana. Um, yeah, th that was the first part. What was the second part? <laughs> But the second part, um, so th this is on the customer. So as a user yeah. looking for yield, you would be using a, a DIP or a dual investment pool. Um, but then you also mentioned the staking option front, which is more facing towards like a project, for example, if I understood it right. Exactly. So this is really the bigger idea of, of what we're trying to address is a more sustainable um, incentive landscape for, for projects. Um, and we're trying to be the infrastructure layer behind that. So uh, effectively, if you're a project, how you would interface with us is you would come in and we have a what's called a staking option studio, SOS for short. There's a there's a pun involved there, <laughs> um, but uh, but come in and to design an option based incentive scheme. So this could be 
um, basically taking your current liquidity mining scheme and swapping it out for um, issuing options instead of the underlying token, right? Um, it could be, you know, rewarding users for participating in governance, right? Uh, locking up their tokens and, you know, awarding them some effective uh, upside leverage to that action, right? Um, I think there's a lot of apathy right now in, in, in uh, governance, just generally speaking, and that's a way to address it, trying to bring in an economic gain as well for, for users to be participating. Um, and it could be something as simple as um, encouraging users to lock up their, their tokens um, as well for, for you know, time periods and earn that, that upside leverage. It sort of acts as a vote of confidence for the project. Um, so basically just coming up with ways in which to reward their community members for participation. Um, but instead of rewarding those users in the underlying governance token, rewarding them in options on the governance token. So, okay. So just um, to sort of rehypothecate. Uh, so the, the DIP is, is going to be you're a DeFi user. You want to earn yield and it's can be summarized as like a more efficient innovation on the, 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 the options vaults that are currently existing where you're going to get, for example, paid out, um, you know, regularly rather than in uh, short in sort of weekly uh, say periods. And then the staking options is going to be, if you're like a, a founder of a project um, and you're sick of your uh, token getting dumped on liquidity mining, and then you see that, you know, there's maybe a better way. Can you take us through like a very tangible um, sort of scenario, like how it would look if a project onboarded and sort of the use cases where they would get the most benefit? Yeah, yeah. So there's there's two buckets to this. It's like identifying pathways currently that you can allocate uh, an option-based reward to your community for doing, for doing stuff. There's also something just from like a, a new setup or token distribution perspective where it's beneficial potentially to structure your team allocations, uh, the investment round itself, um, all sorts of payment for services, et cetera, structure those as option-based um, incentives too, right? The analogy on that front is like around a stock option grant program, right? That's a key component of a long-term incentive plan for, for corporates. Um, very prevalent, right? We don't do that at all in crypto. Like that's not, that's not done whatsoever. Um, there's lots of benefits to that, um, trying to align people's incentive and their, and their work to, you know, work for a future gain. Um, and then specifically, there's also like potentially tax benefits to this stuff too. Um, we won't go down that path, but yeah, there, there's, there's all sorts of different, different ways that they can interface with us. Um, we're trying to make it very flexible and, and open in that sense. So yeah, I would say like there's, you know, something, something very tangible though is, is I think the simplest example is, yeah, there's a liquidity mining, um, promotion for, you know, providing liquidity on radium or, or, or some other, uh, decks where there's a pool. Um, you know, you were going to issue a thousand tokens per day to that, uh, to that activity. Instead, you're going to reward 3000 staking options that are struck, you know, 20% out of the money on a three month uh, expiration, right? So it gives users this additional leverage in the system, uh, potential upside. Um, but one, one thing that is, is key, a key differentiator as well is, and this is why it cycles back into this idea of having the liquidity for streaming executable prices on the dips is that 
as a user, if you earn that staking option, you should have the choice of whether you hold it or you want to liquidate it, right? You shouldn't be forced to hold this thing till expiration and hope that it's profitable. If you want, and you're kind of skeptical of options or you don't really understand options and, and just want to be you know paid for, for that work that you've done, having the underlying liquidity for users to go and just liquidate these options is, is key for the user experience. And that's really what we're focused on on building behind the scenes is that infrastructure for that liquidity on illiquid options. And this is like drawing back onto like what I was doing for the last four years. You know, it, it's really full circle in terms of like, how do you bootstrap illiquid options markets and have that work for communities um, instead of just th this market just being in this opaque bilateral, you know, um, marketplace, right? There, there actually is a lot of options trading going on in, in crypto. It might seem like there's not, but it, it just exists sort of OTC and out of the mind of, of a general retail participant. Yeah, as a, as a general DeFi user, it, it's always exciting to hear about new facets of early crypto DeFi system, like where it's bringing in more sort of more complexity, more elements, more opportunities for, um, you know, retail participants. Uh, so it's always exciting to hear that. Um, so I think we've we've gone over the, the staking options, the, the the dips, it should be clear. There's another one here on my in my notes, um, which is the RLP, which I believe stands for rehypothecated lending pool. Uh, like is this is a, a feature of dual finance, um, like an, another innovation being being delivered. Can you expand on that a little bit? Yeah, this is kind of the last piece of the puzzle. Um sort of sitting out a bit farther in, in our development uh, roadmap. But essentially what this does is it it unlocks the ability for liquidity providers to borrow um, tokens in order to hedge themselves. Um, so from the perspective of a market maker, if you're buying an option on some very illiquid token, there might not be a perpetual market. There might not be the ability to borrow the token. But generally speaking, what the market maker is going to do is trying to take a risk neutral approach to that position. So if you buy a call option, you're exposed to the price of the underlying asset, right? You're, you're long the underlying asset. You're going to be incentivized to try to sell some risk to get to a, a delta neutral position or a flat position. There's no way to do that in sort of the illiquid altcoin space, unless you can borrow the tokens. So this is embedding that borrow into the actual smart contract and allowing market makers to seamlessly borrow those tokens, bracketed by how much risk they've taken, right? If, a, if, you, if you're a market maker and you're only long a thousand, uh, you know, XYZ options, I don't know if there's a token XYZ, I'm sorry, but, um, Whatever the altcoin probably, is, probably there is, probably there is. <laughs> yeah, um, whatever the token is, allow allowing them to borrow um, up to their set amount of risk that they've taken um, on a partially collateralized, uncollateralized basis. Um, we're still working on sort of the design framework on on that piece, um, the credit piece of it. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of the idea. Is is in order to really get a better bid into the market on an illiquid option, you need to have a borrow market available um, and that's to facilitate this, but it's all embedded in the same thing. So it's really, it won't like from a user's perspective, you'll be able to opt in 
to a pool that has the ability to use RLPs. Um, it's additional risk that's being taken from a from user's perspective. Obviously, there's a risk of default from a market maker. Um, we're obviously going to do our best to bracket that and have insurance funds and all sorts of other protections, but you, you can't prevent that default case, or at least you need to plan for it. And market makers will pay through to those users additional positive yield, right? As any other lending protocol would, there's some utilization uh, curve there that's used to pay an interest rate through to the users. So um, we're having it definitely as an opt-in function for the uh, for the the dip product uh, staking options. It might be more of a requirement because there might not be an, any other way for that for those markets to be um, bootstrapped. I'm curious to to learn like what the current status is because you said that one is coming down the roadmap. But just before we go there, on the market maker side. Are you having conversations? Like, are people excited about these this opportunity? Because it seems like it's a new it's a new opportunity in like Solana DeFi, for example. Yeah, so so I'm definitely advantaged having sort of been in that space for for a while and, and working with a lot of peers on that. You know, have have the network effect there. Um, know know who the the capable groups are that can do options market making and just generally token market making. So you know, those lines are up, and we're working. Um, on, on integrations with them. Um, we expect the first one to be done in, in, a, in a few weeks here. So, you know, stay tuned on that. Um, mm-hmm. won't, won't drop any names until that's completed though. And there's actually, there, there okay. are rewards as well. Just if there's any market makers out there listening or trading firms, if you're interested in getting integrated, there are just rewards, um, of course, structured in options on our token um, <laughs> that, that will be awarded for groups that integrate. Nice, yeah, cool. There is a token coming. I was going to say when token, but there is a token coming, it sounds like. Um, can we hear a bit of details? Like, what what's the status quo? I know you guys just came through the hackathon. Like, where are you guys at? Um, are you on mainnet? What's the plan going forward? Yeah, for sure. So we're in a limited sized alpha on, on mainnet right now, um, meaning uh, when you deposit into a dip right now, you can only withdraw out $10 worth of premium as a max size. Um, we'll scale that up as we get external market makers in. Um, and also working working through the code audit. So that's kind of the two remaining pieces to, to scale that up. And, and once that's ready to go, um, we sort of plan to, to release the token. Um, it's really key to our, our strategy as well because we plan to dog food these ideas around staking options by using it ourselves um, with our own token distribution, right? So every single group of participant will only ever be able to get the token through option exercise, through earning a call option on, on dual and then going and exercising it if they so choose. Um, so for, for users at the start, that looks like using the DIP product. And in addition to getting paid that USDC premium up front, you would also be getting paid options on, on dual um, for, um, you know, partner projects as well. We're offering a grant program there. So the first groups who, who come in and are open to working with us with these new ideas, um, you know, trying to uh, offer alignment between our treasuries by giving them options on, on dual as well. Um, and so, yeah, every, every single bucket of, of participant, um, even our investor, uh, our potential investors would be, you know, structured in, in call options on, on dual rather than a vesting schedule. So it's really, Options all the way down, as I like to say. <laughs> Options all the way down. I like that. Uh, in, in terms of the Jewel token, I assume it's called Jewel. Um, it, can you speak a little bit about like, 
is it a governance token? And what is the, the idea with Jewel in terms of governance moving forward? Yeah, we're definitely trying to be like overly transparent with our community. Uh, we've been dropping like progress reports, hosting town halls. Um, we have an AMM, an AMA next Monday. Um, and I think that like the only way for us to offer sustainable products to users is as a DAO. Um, so really going to try to get to that piece quickly. If, you know, that's a, that's a whole other topic of conversation, though, how that's done, Absolutely. done successfully. Um, but we also think that like approaching projects sort of as a like minded entity uh, lends us credibility. Right. So approaching other projects as a DAO, you know, gives a less adversarial feel. Um, and so, yeah, that's really that's really what's going to be uh, what we're going to strive for. So, yes, it's a governance token. Um, the Treasury itself, you know, at maturity has a lot of um, you know nice uh, features to it. Right. It's it's potentially going to be exposed to a lot of different projects who are trying to design their tokens responsibly. Um, it will have this embedded um, risk manager thing, which is basically is basically the, the, the hackathon submission. So like the actual automated trading of, of options embedded in it. So yeah, there's, there's lots of different components. Um, still, you know, lots to, to develop on that front as well. In terms of the treasury, maybe I missed this, but um, how, how does the treasury are other projects paying a fee in their token in order to use in order to create the staking options, or how does the treasury amass other tokens? Yeah, there's there's four ways um, right now that the treasury would would earn a revenue. Um, the first would be from a, a Vega charge. So Vega just means like a volatility spread um, applied to the dip token. So the price of the market maker bids will be marked up or down to the user, um, and then there are uh, two forms of, of fees that or, or charges that would be available. We want to give projects a choice. Um, so a project can either pay um, a fee when they mint the actual options. So a portion of the minted options would go to the treasury, uh, the dual treasury, or they can choose to uh, have the fee paid upon exercise. So only if only if options are exercised would there be any. Um, fee paid, right? The, the, the benefit there, um, well, well, there's two things there. Um, if these, if these options expire worthless, then the fee itself was zero. Um, and then secondary, if, if there's no options ever exercised as well, there's no fee charged, but in the event there is an exercise, right? Um, you know, most, most of the time you expect that to be an out of the money option, meaning they've issued something, uh, above the current price today. And that could be a favorable outcome, right? The price is appreciated, so it makes sense, and, and the kind of everybody's happy within their community. That like, yeah, things have gone well. It's not a problem that things are being exercised. Um, that's also a key piece of the whole idea, just generally speaking, is rather than vesting schedules, um, options sort of contain the the uh, release of tokens, the token supply, right? It um, limits the token supply by price appreciation. So only if the price appreciates do more tokens come online. Um, so that can break up like inflationary death spirals for, for tokens. Sorry, that's kind of a tangent. But the other two uh, forms of revenue are just um, generally when uh, any of these options are any of the staking options would be resold through our marketplace, there'd be a similar Vega charge applied there. And then also a, a markup as any other lending protocol would have for the RLPs. So depending on how much of the Rehypothecated lending pools are are utilized. Um, there's a there's a fee um, component there. And like long term, 
I think this was a topic I also was chatting with Ben about because, um, you know, Solana in 2021 was criticized pretty heavily for some, you know, not so retail friendly tokenomics for some projects. And I know that there's a focus these days on like tokens that are also, you know, somehow um, receiving revenue one way or another. I was talking recently um, with a couple of projects sort of in that front, uh, like uh, Lifinity, for example. Um, is there an idea in the long term that, you know, that the that the project would actually like by holding jewel you would sort of i don't know receive some kind of portion of the of the revenue i think cautious what i can say of course but like ind indirectly by governing the assets in the treasury through through a dao you, you you can choose to do like if someone controlled all the governance tokens of the dao they could just say oh pay out to this address right it, you you indirectly get that um but yeah that, that's that's like a whole nother <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cookie, yeah. <laughs> or onion yeah we, we can we can skip that and, and avoid the layers <laughs> yeah okay yeah fair enough okay yeah cool I, i'm curious like if we sort of zoom out from jewel a little bit you, you just went through the hackathon process what's your feeling about solana right now like wh why did you guys choose to build on solana yeah um so so as a as a trader i think it's just been the best user experience um you know in the early days the transaction times everything was just better than than ethereum um this the idea around having a central limit order book um really isn't feasible elsewhere and and you know if you look at roll-ups and l2s they're i just like kind of puke when i walk through that user experience um so from that from that uh perspective like solana was the only choice um and we really liked um you know what what other groups were doing on it already um you know, when we when we uh, have all these different option contracts in circulation and, and stuff, things can get very expensive from like a rent perspective um, and just transaction costs. So it really was the only only choice. Um, also, like when we were originally designing some of this stuff, you know, the risk manager component, the subject of the hackathon was really only feasible on a central limit order book. And we, we chose to first build on Mango and integrate there. Um, there's plans to integrate with Serum going forward and, and um, other other venues. So, you know, we think that that, that whole DEX infrastructure is is uh, top tier. It's interesting because I, I recently had Anders from uh, MarginFi on and, you know, they, they also, I think, felt that, you know, it was a specific product for Solana, which it kind of matches, I think, Anatoly's original vision of the NASDAQ at Lightspeed or something. I always forget what the actual saying was. But even though there's been such a big focus on NFTs in the last month, it's really exciting to see these, you know, fairly sophisticated financial products being built out on Solana because of that initial, you know, Serum uh, central limit order book. And, and, and as, as the network is growing, like Mango Markets, Zero One, there's like quite a few strong teams now that are building out really nice products. Um, so it's cool to see, yeah, that that was a big factor. <laughs> Insofar as the rollups, I completely agree. I mean, I'm, I'm very—it's very interesting technology, but the US, the UX point of view, it seems to get really papered over very often when I hear people that are bullish on it. And I don't really see a way that—I don't see how that works, um, you know, in a very compelling way. It, it takes a very highly motivated person to like go through and figure out which exact network I'm on and this and that. It's—it's it's not trivial. I'm sure they'll come up with ways to to make that a smoother, more seamless experience, but. Just the current state, you know. There's also a you were mentioning like some of the, you know, 
existing tokenomics that were were in the space, and that's another reason we're on Solana. I think is like there's the biggest opportunity to address some of the like malpractices that have been going on and sort of clean stuff up, so to speak. Yeah. Completely. I mean, in the last few months, I've had quite a few conversations with exciting DeFi products that are taking a new approach. And right now, in the minds of many, many people I chat with on, for example, the ETH side, they're still very much in last last year tokenomics. They they're not they're not aware that actually there's a, there's a new wave of exciting products that are taking a different approach. Um, and it seems like you guys will be you know in the heart of that essentially with with the staking option product. Um, yeah. So. I think we're hitting time here, John. It's been a real pleasure to have you on. For any listeners who are who are keen to read up more, to educate themselves on Jewel, where can they go? Yeah, there's there's lots of good materials out there. Uh, definitely follow the Twitter. We'll try to parse stuff down there. Um, hop in the Discord, of course. Um, really, the the core of the the, the think tank is is held on Medium. Um, those are quite in depth stuff. Um, and and you know if you have if you have time and, and, and catch this uh, next Monday on October. What is it? The tenth. Um, we'll be having a an AMM. Okay, AMM. <laughs> Not an automated market maker. And ask me anything. Um, that's that's uh, in, maybe in it's, maybe that's some um, secret alpha alpha leaking about an AMM. <laughs> um, yeah, and that's Jewel. That's Jewel Finance on Twitter. Just um, so no one gets scammed. Um, all right, good, John. Thanks so much for coming on. It's been a real pleasure to dive into Jewel Finance with you. Yeah, really appreciate the time. Um, thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you liked it, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. Leave us a review if you're feeling generous. And I'd also like to give a brief reminder that nothing said on the podcast is financial advice. My views are my own. And when navigating crypto, remember that you are responsible for your own assets and always do your own research.